Hey guys, and welcome to The One Up Project. We're simplifying all things finance and lifestyle in a relaxed environment. It's all just a bit of fun, so be sure to keep listening and let the content be a catalyst for your own self-improvement. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the One Up Project podcast. Today I have Dean Anderson on, founder and CEO of Kernel, and I know that you guys are very passionate um, about providing Kiwis better investment options to grow long-term wealth, which is aligned with exactly what I want to do too. So welcome to the show. How are you, Dean? I'm very well. How are you this morning? I'm very well as well. We're just chatting about the woes of lockdown. So, you know, those conversations are still happening, but hopefully by the time this is released, um, we will be soon to have a decision around getting out of there. And um, today we're going to talk about ethical investing and kind of what that is. So how I was introduced to this, well, I sort of had heard about like ethical investing before, but it was actually on on a webinar you guys did. I think it was you and Kat. um, And it was really interesting. And so I'd love to just get an understanding, first of all, around what actually is sustainable or ethical investing. Yeah. So sustainable investing is, is really about, it's enhancing the way we invest by considering the sort of non-traditional things. Uh, so it's taking into consideration not only the financials, but also the social impact, uh, the role the company has in our environment, how they're treating staff. So it's considering these wider issues and not just measuring a company based on how well they're performing. Uh, and that's sort of where sustainability and sustainable investing has come from. And like, what does it mean to to actually invest sustainably can this change from person to person is it kind of a thing that we we analyze what is sustainable from our point of view or is that decided by someone else yeah i think that's a probably some history is 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 useful here and honestly everybody's values uh and you know issues are different right and so you can go out there and you can try and analyze companies yourself and try and assess whether they're aligned with your values, whether they're doing things that are important to you, um, or you can go and find a fund. And that's really started to expand over the last few years in terms of the number of investment options that are out there now. But stepping back a bit probably and, and extending on what is sustainable investing, it is about considering more than just the financial elements, which is all most people have ever really looked at, was how much profit are they making? How, how, you know, how do we expect the profits of these companies to grow over time? Sustainable investing has been around for quite a while. It actually, there's references to it in the 1700s with the Methodists. And it really started in the 60s and 70s. We had um, obviously a lot of social issues around then. So we've had apartheid and Vietnam War. And those led to kind of the first real wave of sustainable investing. And that was all about exclusions, basically saying we're not going to invest in sin stocks. So that's one method of sustainable investing and saying, actually, I just don't want to be a part of these companies or these sectors. So I'm not going to invest in guns or fossil fuels, etc. What we've seen over the last couple of years is a real shift, though. And all of a sudden, people are going, actually, the world's not necessarily black and white. And we've gone from the general, very uh, simplistic, uh, we're not going to invest in these sectors and that's kind of all we consider to now more of an ESG approach. So ESG, if people haven't heard it, it stands for environmental, social and governance. And what you're doing with an ESG investment fund is, yes, you may still have these exclusions. So you, know, you may have no investment in gambling or tobacco and armaments, but you're going further than that. And, and you're actually measuring 
all of these elements of each individual company. And then you may say companies that are doing really well on these measures, you know, they're paying their staff well, they're considering the environment, they're managing their waste. We're going to make them a bigger proportion of the fund. And then those that are doing poor, we're going to make them a smaller proportion. So if we think about New Zealand, the real obvious ones are environmental. And so uh, if we looked at power companies, Meridian may get a larger weighting because, you know, it's clearly involved significantly with renewable energies, whereas Genesis may get a smaller weighting in an investment fund because they've got a lot of involvement with coal. And so you're not only taking these exclusionary pieces, you're now also going and saying, let's measure these things for every individual company that's out there. Let's measure them on how they're paying their staff, the pay ratios between management and general employees. And let's try and create some scores and consistency so we can compare how companies look against others within their industry and sector. And so we've kind of moved from just exclusions to this ESG. And I guess that's been quite a fundamental shift and we're seeing a, a big change in how people are managing investments. I think the other thing I'd just add to that is the word ethical gets included a bit. Mm-hmm. And I personally have kind of um, think that's the wrong word. Yeah, you know, I think sustainable and ESG, it's about measuring these various elements. But ethics is this very personal piece, right? Mm-hmm. Ethics is... You know, you've got different ethics to myself. It's, you know, your moral compass and your religious views, all these other elements. It's very different to sustainability and ESG. And so I tend to try and break that connection and say, you know, the ethical piece is, is your personal views. Mm. Uh, and then the rest is the sustainability and the ESG elements. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense um, in terms of how we can look at it. Because I suppose we all are going to have our own ethical perspective on the way we want to invest but there's probably a bit of a um, I guess framework that can be a more more structure that can be used universally when it comes to sustainable investments and would you be able to expand a little bit on the ESG framework or structure and how that exactly works and what that means? Yeah and so this is the I guess ESG is is in the scheme of things relatively new um, so, for example, Standard Poor's, the S&P 500, an index that a lot of people will know, the first S&P 500 ESG index, where it's considering these sort of non-financial metrics to how companies are weighted within the index, that only got launched in 2019. So we're only talking the last few years. Now, the reason being is that we just haven't had the data. You know, you haven't been able to properly measure and get the data on all of these things. So that's kind of where we've got to over the last few years. Um, what it does is considers a huge amount of input. And I guess this is one of the things when we talk about um, how you could go about investing is yes, you could do this yourself, or you can leverage and invest in a fund that has significant databases and global research. So with an ESG index, uh, there's a thing called a corporate sustainability assessment. It's a survey that goes out to 11,000 companies around the world. A lot of the data actually remains confidential, so it won't get publicly disclosed. But that is uh, really drilling into every single listed company and going, you know, what are your pay ratios? Have you got a policy around changing the pay ratios or managing of waste? How are you treating, you know, pollution and carbon? And it creates these scores. And the 
there are about a thousand data points that go into calculating an ESG score. And what you end up with is a really simple output, a score between zero and a hundred. So you, you know, hundred being better, zero being worse. And there are a thousand individual data points. So it includes like how much carbon are they producing, all these waste elements, everything that goes into it. And there are a lot of companies that are measuring and recording this information to then be able to put it into the simple calculation that you as an investor can go and see, here's a number. And the weightings also, I think what's critical with this, the weightings in terms of the factors under E, S and G are different between sectors. So utilities, there may be a greater emphasis on the E element, you know, because power companies, a lot of their real issues are associated with pollution and energy generation. Where with technology companies, they may put greater emphasis from a scoring perspective on the governance or the social elements, because really it's about people, you know, mm. how are they treating their staff? Um, what's the pay ratios and executive remuneration, those sort of things. Right. Okay, cool. And that sort of might lead into my my next question around like how do we actually gain full transparency over funds and companies we're investing into and whose responsibility do you think that is to make sure we do have that? Yeah, as a, as a fund manager and, and, and given most people are probably going about investing in sustainable solutions via a fund, uh, it's ultimately the responsibility of the fund manager. And there's a real concern around greenwashing. And that's where are people calling something sustainable or ESG when really it's not doing that much? Uh, that was always something I was personally very conscious of. And so when we've developed our sustainability series, you know, we, we couldn't physically do that when we launched because it just wasn't to a standard that I was comfortable with in terms of the data. What we're also seeing now is, the role of the regulators and others stepping in. And so in New Zealand, we've got the Financial Markets Authority, the FMA. They are now increasingly going to look at what communications people are putting out. And they're actually going to start setting some standards so that as a fund manager, there's guidance around, well, you'll have to have an ESG or a sustainability policy. You'll publish that on your website so people will understand what your approaches are, what your views are. Uh, it will be doing testing to see actually is what you're doing in the fund meeting what you're kind of marketing. Um, so I think we're getting to a point where we should have confidence and when we read something or a fund manager talks about an issue that it's it's credible and what's happening within the fund. Uh, and then obviously with an index fund like ourselves, you can go and look at every individual holding at any point in time and can kind of see what's going on. I know for us, like we want to start showing uh, more information around this and it's how do we communicate that so we've started recently where we will show the carbon intensity of the investment in our nz50 esg versus what it would be if you just invested in the standard nzx50 so we'll start showing metrics and items so people can get an understanding of how much different this is uh, on the non-financial issues compared to just investing in a vanilla product. Mm, cool. And how would you suggest like an investor going about figuring out that transparency? Like, do you think the best way to do it is to s seek that information through your provider or just giving it a Google search? Or what do you think the most effective way of doing it? Yeah, as a starting point, um, find some products or providers that you're really interested in. Mm and start speaking with them. Most of them will be really upfront and people that are engaged in the space have probably spent quite a bit of time looking into it. And 
transparency is key. You know, I think as long as people are clear about what something does and doesn't do, then you can make an informed decision as whether that meets what you're after or whether you actually want something, you know, what we would say deep green, right? And can talk a little bit about how people can go about investing. Um, so start with maybe the fund managers or providers that you're looking at, ask about what are their policies, what is happening within the fund. Um, we obviously have a good relationship with Standard Poor's and they are probably one of the world leaders in the measurement of ESG factors. And they have quite a good dedicated web page that you can go to and start learning about ESG, sustainability, mm. get a sense of how companies are measured, what goes into that. Um, and so that's a bit more of a background. It'll give you some context as to what is ESG and sustainability more broadly, and then speak to any provider around what is happening within the product that you're looking at. Mm. And this might be covered a bit in what you've sort of just spoken about, but I suppose in addition to that, what would be the first steps if you had to lay them out for someone into understanding what a sustainable investment looks like? Yeah, you do have to probably dig under the, the hood a bit, as I say. And so things will typically be clearly labeled if it's some form of sustainable ESG. And what you want to understand is, so coming to the very first point that we talked about, is this sustainable in the sense that it's just avoiding sectors? Or is it going to the degree of actually measuring companies and either increasing their investment in the fund or decreasing based on how good the companies are scoring? So that's the clear one is what what degree do you want to go? Do you want to start with just exclusions? Because there are a lot more options out there that just don't invest in sectors. And that's quite easy to mm -hmm. find. You can go and find on websites and people say, look, we don't invest in fossil fuels and tobacco. And that's pretty standard for a lot of sustainable ESG. And then the next question is, well, do you want to go further and say, I also want something that's measuring every individual company and then finding products that are aligned with that. Uh, it can be about looking at the fact sheets of the fund or the methodology, obviously with any investment, look at the product disclosure statements. Um, you do have to be pretty clear about what you're doing in a fund. So we're regulated, we have to outline what's going on. And I think that the ESG or, or sustainability policies that fund managers have is probably a great piece as well, because that will kind of really outline what the manager is doing and how they go about considering these non-financial issues with their investment decision-making. I would also say to that, there's another element to sustainability, and that's also looking at how not only the fund that you're missing is, but what, how is the, the fund manager, for example, operating? Are they a good corporate citizen? You know, that was something that I was always very conscious of for Colonel was when we set up was, well, we're a living wage employer. We offset all of our carbon. We try and do our part as a good corporate citizen as well. And I didn't think it was right that we run sustainability funds, but actually behind the scenes we're we're not doing it. So you may also want to be looking at who your partners and providers are and how they're acting as a social citizen. Definitely. And I think um, with all things, it seems in personal finance, like a lot of it comes down to your personal yeah. like situation and also viewpoint. And it, there's, like you were saying, you know, there's sustainable investments and those might be labeled, but a lot of things, whether it's you want exclusions or, or not, comes down to your personal ethical view probably and what you think is, is the best yeah. um decision there how would we go about implementing this into our investing strategy so you can obviously like I said, you can go and try and find invest in individual companies um i think the biggest challenge with that still is 
getting that information to truly be able to make an assessment onto how good a company is. So it's not mm. that easy or that cheap for individuals to go out there and assess every individual company. So you may want to start with funds. And so then it's about going, okay, what sort of fund do I like? What sort of investment style? And then finding versions of that. And there are, again, there are some great websites in New Zealand and internationally that can help filter down all the investment options so you can find stuff. Uh, and then it may be that you only start with some. You don't have to build your entire investments out of sustainability. Uh, so you may have some to start with. We're also seeing people going out there and going, okay, I want an ESG fund or sustainability and others that go, I really want to, I'm really care about the environment. I'm going to add in thematic funds. So not only are they going, I want an ESG or sustainability version of a more normal investment strategy, like an S&P 500 or an NZX 50, but equally I want in my portfolio to really invest into the future of sustainability. So I'm going to also invest into clean energy funds or EV funds and those sort of strategies as well, because they're going like, I guess, ultimately what we'd say is deep green, you know, they're really investing directly into uh, the more core sustainability strategies. I guess this is kind of a broad question, but why do you think that not all investing is sustainable? Uh, and what are some examples I guess, common examples for people of non-sustainable versus sustainable investments. Yeah, I come back to my very first points on ethics as well. I think sometimes if something's not labelled as sustainable, like it's the same with ethics, right? If it's not labelled, I think my issue with the word was, oh, if it's not called ethical, does that mean that it's non-ethical? <laughs> um, but that's not necessarily the case. And it's obviously like with everything in our world, it's a spectrum. Uh, one of the big reasons why, for example, ESG hasn't been implemented more broadly. Well, a couple of factors, really. For a long period of time, there was concerns that if you excluded companies or you started considering these non-financial metrics, that you were going to have worse performance. So people were really concerned about underperforming. And so that's why from the 60s and 70s, you kind of had a rise of sustainable investing, but it didn't really you know, uh, balloon into something big and mass market. It was kind of on the fringes. And then, so performance was a one, one issue. The other issue that we've had more recently is the accuracy of the data, like actually being able to measure these things. And that's relatively new. And it's thanks to technology, we can now do that and do it with confidence that actually we know that this is accurate. Uh, take our NZ50 ESG. You know, that's an NZX50 index, but it, it has extra filtering around ESG scores. Literally, we only could launch that uh, from March this year. I, I sort of talked about the corporate sustainability assessment. That's one of the key inputs, measuring these companies on all these elements. March of last year, of sorry, uh, uh, 2020, only 22 New Zealand companies were covered under that. Now we've been able to get it to the full 50, so we've actually got the data. So there's a bit of a time thing here of actually getting the coverage, getting companies measured and reporting so that you can accurately go and create products on the back of it. On the performance piece now, I think that's been a bit debunked and we're seeing people come in and invest. Some people are investing into ESG strategies or sustainability strategies because of a values piece or because it's what they're really passionate about. Some people are actually just investing because they're taking a very strategic investment decision. And a lot of recent research is showing that um, not only are things 
are not necessarily underperforming, but they may actually be starting to outperform. And a couple of reasons for that is companies that score well from ESG, they clearly got a bigger long-term vision. You know, they're less focused on the next quarter's sales and trying to meet the financial targets. They're thinking strategically and long-term. They're conscious of what their own customers are demanding of them and how customer, customer demands are changing. And they're also aware that if they don't adapt or change, that they're going to be forced to from regulation. And so when you start investing into companies that are screwing well from ESG, they actually have all the alignments to what should also deliver good long-term performance. You know, they're thinking long-term, they're conscious of what their customers are demanding. They're not being forced mm -hmm. to act by regulations, they're adapting before that. And so um, I think the performance piece is kind of also now moved on and people have gone, actually, yeah, this makes a lot of sense because there are simple things happening in the world, right? Um, carbon, for example, is going to start to be a cost to companies. And if you're not reducing it or taking action, that's going to impact your financial performance. I always come back to EVs as a great example of where we've got the three forces all coming together, really. You've got the consumer demand, you've got the technology, and you've also got the regulatory changes. Most of Europe is now starting to ban the sale of traditional fossil fuel cars from 2030. So within the next eight, nine years, you know, companies that don't have electric vehicle options won't be able to sell cars into Europe and other markets. And so, you know, regulations are also forcing change towards a more um, socially conscious and environmentally friendly uh, society. And so companies are having to act as well. And so that also leads to some of the performance that we see with ESG. Yeah, so much of what you just said ties into, I suppose, the importance of being conscious of investing sustainably as well. And as like Colonel, I know Colonel's passionate about providing investment options that give people that more long-term perspective. And that's how I choose to invest myself. And I think when it comes to sustainable investing, there's a big focus around that as well. And so in addition to what you've just said, is is there anything else you'd add to the importance of investing sustainably and like why this is something we should be considering? A lot of people are looking at it because they also want to signal change, right? Um, we do that with everything else in our lives and consumers over the last few years are really conscious of how they're spending and who they're shopping with and you know, we're consider of plastic pollution. And so now we're starting to see people actually say, I want to do that with the financials and how I'm investing my money as well, because I want to be investing into companies, providing capital to companies and to be profiting from companies that are doing good. And it's not mutually exclusive. You know, you can actually still make a good investment and profit by backing the things that uh, we want to see in our society. And so the financial services sector and it's going to take time, but the financial markets and investments are a significant tool and lever to be able to create change. You know, it's a huge resource and the governments are starting to realize that actually this is one of our greatest tools to creating change and getting towards our environmental goals, you know, directing flows of money towards things that we want to see developed and our future is mm. critical to a sustainable future. And so 
um, I think there's this realization now as well that it's a key element and a key tool in getting towards these goals and people can be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Like it gives you, no matter how tiny it might be, the feeling of some kind of power or influence in creating change and a trend at least I've seen like through having the podcast as well is that people want to be a part of that change and they also want to feel that they have control over their own money, their own investments and making sure that it does have some kind of impact. So this is yeah. a great option to lead into that. Um, and so where where would you suggest we find more information on the topic? I mean, I'm sure there are heaps of resources, but do you have any like favorites or things that you've seen that are really helpful? We've linked to a few things around blogs. I do think the S&P pages are quite good on it. It's just background understanding that there's a couple of good um, resources within S&P Dow Jones, if you just search S&P Dow Jones, because the index providers are kind of, they've acquired a lot of companies that are measuring and reporting on ESG for every individual company, not just to create indices, but to, to measure. And so they're one of the great global benchmarks for what's happening with sustainable investment and investment flows. And so you can go there and learn about how it has evolved over time, how we're measuring these things, uh, and then that can lead you to more resources to go and understand different areas that you're really passionate about. Maybe you want to understand how the scoring works or you want mm. to find individual company information so you can go and make your own decisions. Locally, obviously, yeah, we talk a lot about if you're looking at products, there's Mindful Money, there's Sorted and other great sites that um, we also talk about. A lot of those sites that people go to just for their normal investment decision making are now starting to incorporate ESG information. Mm. And so... That's another good starting point to go out there and have a look. And I'm just trying to think if there's any great books. I think um, for those that are interested in climate change, Bill Gates' uh, recent book is is a great resource. Um, and yeah, just as with anything, I think most people will go and do a bit of Googling and you'll find some information and just make sure that you cross-check it and that it, it seems logical before jumping to conclusions. Yeah, perfect. Cool. Thank you so much for your time, Dean. It's been a really awesome explanation. This is a highly requested episode so i know people are going to love it thank you so much for your time no worries and do reach out with any questions we're always here to help disclaimer time so the one up project is an educational platform providing information that is general in nature and has no intention of being financial advice there may be opinions or an individual's experience within this resource that should not be considered as recommendations or personal advice Everyone's financial situation is so different and you must use the information provided within the podcast at your own risk. Please complete your own due diligence before making any financial decisions based on the information within this resource. I'm not a qualified, registered or authorised financial advisor and if you require legal, financial or other expert advice, you should seek assistance from a professional advisor. Thanks guys. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I really hope you were able to take something valuable away. Um, be sure to subscribe and keep up with the socials for further episodes at The One Up Project, and I'll catch you on the next one.